0: Well, it was volatile in 2017, you know, when like individuals were trading it on their mobile phone. (laughs) But yeah, think about what I just, what I just said about how we acquired it. We buy $175 million. I'm in the market every minute of the day for multiple days in a row. I'm damping the volatility. One person like me, right? In every every trading day that I'm in the market, I'm damping it to the upside and the downside, and I'm damping it with large sums of money, right? And and so, how many of how many institutions does it take before they damp it, right? Like I'm the I'm the dude. I'm like, okay, I'll pay an extra whatever, but stop this thing. I'm holding it for a hundred freaking years, right? It's like I'm not really I'm not the day trader guy that's worried about it, so. I think that as the institutions come in and as they buy bigger amounts, they're damping the volatility. That's my first observation. My second observation is, crypto trades 168 hours a week. Every other asset trades 35 hours a week at best, and sometimes less on holidays. Right? You're trading. I I look at this thing in awe. You know, when I look at these exchanges Saturday night 9:30 p.m. and I'm watching the thing stream, and I'm like. This is the most magical, hardest working security in the history of the world. And and I would think everybody ought to be in awe that the things not going haywire. It's remarkably non volatile in that regard. Like, in my opinion, you could go and you could go into the market and you could liquidate 50 or 100 million dollars worth of this stuff in a matter of an hour any hour of the day, any day of the week on a holiday and maybe you take a 3% haircut.
1: Welcome to the Noted Bitcoin podcast. This is one of your hosts, Michael Goldstein, uh, a.k.a. Bitstein. With us today, as always, we have Pierre Richard. Hello, Hi, Michael.
2: Good, good. How are you?
1: Good. There's so much winning going on. That's <laughs> so, uh, very exciting. Um, and we also have a special guest. I think this is uh, his third time appearing. Uh, we have the Bitcoin Rabbi. Rabbi, hey, how are think- you.
3: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to be back with you guys.
1: It's coming up on a, uh, a new year for you, so yeah. Uh, uh, listen, all you suckers
3: play. are stuck in 2020. But for me, I'm already going into the, you know, the next year. So I'm leaving all the, all the bad uh, last year vibes behind. And we're going, we're starting off strong. So uh, what, what do you like the, the last 50, four months?
1: 57, like 81 or something like that. You, you got it exactly.
3: So
2: you're so far in Wait, the future. 57, 81.
1: Um, Is, is Bitcoin, are we
2: post hyper Bitcoinization now in, in, Oh, in your it, year? It's glorious.
3: Let me just say, this isn't a green screen behind me. This is just what it looks like in the future. It's just all, all Bitcoin everywhere. That's amazing. I'm looking forward to it. We'll catch up. <laughs> yeah, it comes quick. You know, <laughs> gradually, then
1: suddenly. <laughs> Which year did it finally take off?
3: Uh, you know, I, I, I lost track. So now, it's hard to even remember the times before. Hyper Bitcoinization. It just seems like either there was some kind of like illness and there was like, I don't know, a, a website where people yelled at each other. It's hard to remember all of those details from that long ago. Yeah, you know, I guess before. it was like,
1: you know, 3,000 <laughs> years ago. So, you know, for us, like, what, what even were people doing 3,000 years ago? They're hanging out with like, uh you know, Egyptians and whatnot. Yeah. uh Romans.
2: i think they were enslaved by egyptians michael i don't know right not you know, it wasn't it was. such a cool <laughs> oh, that, those weren't the
1: only people there's lots of people you know <laughs> uh
2: space aliens too apparently Dude. were uh prehistoric uh civilizations if you listen to joe Rugged.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: so does yeah. it all come full circle now i did uh, listen, t- i've got to leave our children
3: I have to leave some uh, secrets. It's it's it can't all be revealed to you. You'll 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 get there when you get there. Okay, and I'll if it is, to... it'll
2: change the future. So we don't want to uh-huh. reveal anything that changes the future.
1: I'll just have to parse <laughs> some Kubrick, movies some more, and figure this out. Exactly.
3: So do you guys talk about like Bitcoin
1: on this spot?
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're doing. <laughs>
1: What block height are you at? <laughs> <laughs> Should we uh, all run the numbers together? Yeah, that's, uh, that's been
3: the, the year of uh, running the numbers. Now that's, uh, that's, that's a fun, I really love that meme, Pierre, of the run the numbers. So that is just like really uh, been a, a power, because it's so simple. I mean, with all memes, it's like, it's so simple and that's why it's powerful that like literally I can do it on my phone. You know, everybody can do it everywhere with Bitcoin. And it like really condenses the value proposition like in, in in that simple, you know, command.
2: Yeah, and it, it really, it came to me because, you know, I, I did spend years um, running the numbers. So, uh, you know, as an accountant um, and it, as an auditor, it was a day-to-day thing of, did you check this? Did you check that? Did you run the numbers? Did you do the math? Like, because you can't ever take anything for granted. Um, That's part of the profession is that uh, you recalculate everything. You you look at it all a second and maybe even a third time. You look at it, you know, from different angles too. So there's different ways of adding up numbers in accounting so that you can see, um, are you balanced and uh, are there any red flags or even maybe yellow flags along the way that you want to pull on um, to make sure that uh, it's all footing to zero? And one of the fascinating things about this, this saga of Supply Gate is that um, a lot of people, not just in Ethereum, but in Bitcoin as well, in the wider sphere they are unfamiliar with what financial auditing is. And quite a few of them only know about code audits, which are really just about um, kind of code reviews that are uh, maybe more rigorous than just a code review, right? And and that have a security focus on it. But that's fundamentally different than financial auditing. Um, Financial auditing is like bigger picture of, okay, well, here's... Here's kind of what we're expecting, and then here's what actually happened. Um, and I don't see that, I, I haven't seen a lot of that happen, even within Bitcoin. This was kind of the, the surprising thing is that um, we, at, at every block height, we're able now to reconcile the expected issuance, right, based on uh, the, um, the halving and the rewards and all that. Um, with the actual UTXO set plus some variances. And we can actually specifically identify those variances and tie them back to where they happened. In right, the because it's
3: not, it's not a perfect 21 million. It's okay. less. And there are, it's really the, the, the issuance of Bitcoin is a maximum issuance. There's no rule in Bitcoin that says it has to be this number exactly. It's that it can be no more than this number. So the block reward, the first block reward or block subsidy was no greater than 50 Bitcoins per block could be the subsidy. Plus all of the ones that are lost, permanently lost or whatever, you know, those, those kind of things.
2: Yeah. And on the lost ones, um, I also saw some, uh, equivocating where the Ethereum people were like, well, we don't know what coins are lost. So there's no way to give you an answer as to what's going on, but, um, Really, what you can, you can, we can distinguish between two kinds of lost. There is um, unspendable from the network's point of view, right? That mm-hmm. um, the node actually there's there's no conceivable way this output could ever be spent, and so the 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 Bitcoin developers make the decision of, well, we're trying to keep a very compact UTXO set. We're trying to make things scalable and performant. So when we know an output is never going to be spendable, it's a waste of resources to put it in the UTXO set. And so they just don't. And mm-hmm. and that's great. That's a good engineering, uh, you know, way to do it. For the accountants, uh, they do want to figure out, okay, well, why? Where did that go, right? Uh, because uh, did it go into the uh, developer slush fund? You <laughs> know, um, and, and so, uh, th- then there's a second kind of lost, where the person holding the private key no- has has lost the private key,
3: right? That's like a social lost or a yeah. human human loss. User loss. It's it's lost to the humans, but it's not lost to the network.
2: Right. The network has no way of knowing whether the private key has been destroyed or misplaced or if it's on a hot wallet on your laptop,
3: right? Well, um, and like a, some kind of, if the cryptography is broken or quantum computers, they could discover those private keys or something like that, you know? Yeah,
2: exactly right. Um, now, so 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 we can account for the former, we can't account for the latter. Um, and so I, I, I have no ambitions of figuring out how many keys have been lost. Although there are uh, blockchain analysis people who have, Um, kind of got some heuristics on how many they think have been uh, misplaced and it's in the millions of Bitcoin. I think it's like Mm -hmm.
3: three million is what I saw. Yeah, whatever, something like that.
2: Um, Which is a lot, but I actually don't think that's super relevant to like what I'm talking about in the sense that um, I still do consider those to be existing Bitcoin. And We might get proven wrong. Like Satoshi might spend his Bitcoin.
3: Right, yeah, uh, that was. I mean, when the guy who signed a thing, like again, CSW, those coins, a lot of people predicted to be lost because they hadn't been. They were. They were Coinbase of rewards that had never been spent since 2010, and then all of a sudden, somebody signed with the private key for them. So that you know, ruined his right. heuristics.
1: I think also interesting is among all this, there were issues with uh, Bitcoin accounting that uh, are a little more esoteric. So, you know, not as many people necessarily know about these small details um, where, for instance, like just a single Coinbase was lost for uh, because of a bug. And so uh, even like a naive reconciling of the Bitcoin numbers can come up with different uh, answers depending on if people include certain things. So uh, for instance, I don't, I don't think a lot of people, I didn't even know until somewhat recently, um, but I knew ahead of Supply uh, Gate about sort of uh, overridden Coinbase transactions because uh, there had been a bug where you could basically um, have the identical transaction as a previous Coinbase and so that would in a sense override it. Um, that, that was fixed. Um, but because of that, there are Coinbases that just don't add to the total supply. Um, so I noticed, you know, and even this this especially came up because there was a big uh, part of the, the the hype around the supply gate was when everyone realized that every single Ethereum uh, website, like CoinMarketCap or, you know, Etherscan or whatever, every single one had a totally different supply. Um, and... Then, of course, the Ethereum folks try to run that on Bitcoin. And they did reveal that some websites, because they were just using a very naive um, approach to uh, the supply, not necessarily the um, Git block stats. Um, I'm I'm Mm -hmm. actually... uh, No, sorry. Git TX outset info or whatever. Um, Yeah. Because they uh, were not using that because that itself is a very costly operation um to to be running like every single time when you have your computer's already having to run a bunch of other things oh,
2: oh come on michael it's a few seconds it's
1: just
2: <laughs> I, you it's, know my my
1: my crappy computer it does take a while yeah mine's my, these my own run servers
3: <laughs> i run a uh, i run a my node you know raspberry pi and it took like 5 minutes or 7 minutes or something to to do it, it did take uh, it. Did, it took a little while, but uh, I don't know okay, if the, and, if the things are these... updating in real time, so they're just like estimating in real time
1: based on the issuance or whatever. Right there, there's you know there's there's reasons why someone might not want to be running that all the time. Um, so in any case, like I mean, different...
2: a, a, a website data provider should be running that every time, right? Like they should have, they should even have it like all like in memory. They, they might even run it when you visit the website, you know, it's like... Well, are, they running, running, are they running a it for all
3: 7,000 altcoins? Is that the... Oh, they... no way, right? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's where
2: the wheels fall off the wagon. It's when you try to extend the same principle from Bitcoin to, to any others. Yeah, um, I
1: mean, it all depends on how, how, how professional is the operation trying to be and who who is... Like actually looking at the information, like are people going to that website because they specifically want the exact supply at that time, a website might optimize for different things. And I'm, I'm allowing that for the sake of discussion. The point is, is uh, if they're not running that and they were using uh, various naive approaches, uh, those, will, those will have uh, different answers and that will become a problem if people are taking that supply number seriously.
2: Yeah, so it's funny because even Peter Willi said that this would be impossible. He said that there's just too many things that you know have happened, and we talked about some of them where it's not possible to do what I'm talking about. Um, but thankfully, there was a pull request on Bitcoin Core that made it possible, uh, and it provides an index at every block height, uh, providing kind of metadata summary information of the UTXO set. Um, And I was able to work with the developer of the uh, pull request, Fabian, to um, add some of my special sauce to it of the uh, kind of the auditor's lens of it, which was about adding up those unspendables and then being able to do the math of, you start with the expected issuance, you subtract the current UTXO set, you subtract the known unspendables, and it should equal zero, um, and I was able to get it to equal zero at every block height, uh, and, and kind of take into account all the, the, the funky stuff. Um, and so that didn't exist for Bitcoin and until
3: until I did it. To my knowledge, <laughs> until the auditor yeah. came in and offered uh, bounties for open source. Uh,
2: but it was development. doable. Now with Ethereum, <laughs> right. it's still they still haven't done it with Ethereum. So uh, there's a number of different reasons why it might be like computationally impossible for them to do it. Uh, But in theory, it's possible. Like if you got a powerful enough computer, if you got good enough engineers working on it, you you could in theory do what I'm talking about. What I would argue is that they're going to discover things just like we discover things when we do it with Bitcoin, right? Where we're like, oh yeah, there's like this little weird thing going on here we got to take into account. And that's why you do a reconciliation. It's not enough to just be like, and the Ethereum people say, well, all of our nodes are in consensus. And so there's no way there's something wrong going on. What they don't understand is that all their nodes can have the same consensus bug. So if they all have the same, and it, it doesn't even have to be a deflation or it doesn't have to be an inflation bug, right? That's, that's the scary one is the inflation bug. But equally scary, I would argue, is the deflation bug. Like what if you think you own some ETH but it's actually unspendable <laughs> and you go, you try to move it
1: and they're like, Oh no, there's a deflation bug. Your ETH got destroyed. Yeah. Well, and no they'll point to there, there's something in the, the block headers that has some kind of Merkle uh, value that gives you a sense of the state. But I think that plays into what you're and perhaps they can correct me, but I think that's basically doing what you're saying, which is um, identifying that you are indeed in consensus with other people um, once again, it's like, yeah, if we all have consensus to jump off a cliff, it's like you're all still jumping off a cliff.
2: Yeah. And the other thing about that, too, is that there's um, you could have, for example, an inflation bug that lasts for a few blocks and then it got fixed. And, and so then after that, it's still, you know, it's reconciling to zero. And so you don't think anything happened. You, so that's why you have to run the reconciliation at every block height in case there's and it might be that the developers fixed it you know, secretly. But it also might be that um, the bug, by its own nature, was a self-healing bug. You know? uh, and this happens in accounting as well, um, where, where you have a difference that ends up netting out. But the difference still exists. you got to go find it.
1: Well, the good news is that I think uh, Vitalik is uh, a, an expert in quantum computers. Oh, yes. You know, before before Ethereum, it was in quantum computers. So I I have faith that they'll have a powerful enough computer to find all of the complex bugs from the uh, massive attack surface that exists in in Ethereum. I faith got this. is
2: the right word.
3: Well, what I would say is that the the whole discussion and uh, you know it, Pierre, I I kind of think that it's somewhat it is valuable, but it's a little bit of a red herring to. Two major points. One is running a node. That's really that's what this is all about. Is can you run a node and can you use your node and are people running nodes? Bitcoin versus Ethereum or Bitcoin versus any other crypto, whatever. So that's really the what that's like the heart of the issue in one side. And the other is I think kind of the um, human readability of the of 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 the code, meaning. That the 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 twenty one million meme, or the fact that you can explain to anybody the the Bitcoin um, uh, monetary policy, and then explain even if you don't run the numbers literally, you can explain it and you can get to where we are today just with like mental math. But and that's a powerful thing. That that's that's the value proposition is that everyone can understand that that this is a scarce or a limited resource, which. Uh, the uh, the Twitter goes down the scarce versus the definition of scarcity. You know that that there needs to be demand, etc. But that that's really the value proposition. So those are the the running the numbers and the technical uh, thing. The 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 um, the auditing. functions to do it. The yeah. auditing is really a red herring for those two points for the value proposition.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. And and one <laughs> of my favorite things was like. Ethereum people, they don't like to talk about the 112 million ETH, right? <laughs> right. They're They're only, like, there will
3: only ever be an, you know, yeah. whatever amount.
2: Like They don't like talking about specific numbers there. They don't like talking about the 70 million ETH pre-mine. Um, they don't like talking about the difficulty bombs being pushed back. They, they don't like talking about the fact that they predicted, Vitalik predicted that it would, would not go above 100 million ETH. Right. And so like th- to them, like this whole conversation is embarrassing, just uh, at a <laughs> high level of, OK, why are we talking about supply at all? And the reaction from them where they emphatically say supply does not matter. Right. <laughs> but, well, well, why are we doing this math at all? We don't care what the supply is. What we care about is demand. And, and they don't get into the wells. Some people demand holding this because it's scarce, right? And so, right. well, then the supply matters. And so, it's it was uh, very amusing to see it all unfold.
3: It was, yeah. Uh, yeah, it brought it out.
1: It goes back to the the perennial problem that I, I pointed out in a tweet: how they basically play a mot in Bailey, where it's it's money when that narrative serves them, and it's not money when the money that narrative does not serve them. Um, and, you know, Bitcoiners are just there to run the numbers and show which one is better money.
3: Yeah, and, and then there was...
2: Uh, some
1: very mountain man-y.
3: I, I'm telling you, I've been, <laughs> I was talking to someone, I've been really embracing uh, this, I, like, the, the ideology of this, the mountain man, you know, a Bitcoiner with his node. Like, I thought, it's like, if the whole world disappears, and like, I don't know what, I will still have, that's kind of how I've thought about like the pr- protecting private keys and like running the network is like, I want to be able to have my private keys and run the network if there's not a single other person in the world. Like that, that's the uh, threat model that I'm kind of like uh, aiming for.
1: Yeah. Just in case like an alien civilization sends the next block.
3: Yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> I'll, I'll run i wi- I'll run, run like a, a mill and like mine, you know, we'll we'll figure out that detail of how to uh, how to mine the next block but at least the private keys are safe. I you could like transfer them by uh you like by physical means, you know, private keys. You don't really need blocks, you know, if you've got a, if you have your UTXOs separated well enough.
2: You know, it's funny because that attitude is what caused the third michael to put
3: hundreds of millions of dollars into bitcoin. Right. Yeah. Micro the Micah, Michael Micro Sa- what's his name? Sailor. Sailor. Sailor of uh, micro strategies half a billion
1: dollars like 425 million dollars that's a lot of bitcoins that is a lot (laughs) you know a good a good like 45 percent of the company's uh treasury assets or just assets yeah
3: well what that's michael that's not so important the question is what percent of the of the total supply of bitcoins that is the question
2: fully diluted right (laughs) 21 million bitcoin not the 18 million that you're looking (laughs) at the 21 million (laughs) long term long term strategy um, yeah and uh, it, it was just fascinating to, to, to hear uh, sailors say that on on Palm's podcast that um, like someone who is looking to allocate that amount they don't want to hear it about your crypto kitties they really don't what they want to hear is that there's a, an army behind it right um, that there is an intransigent group of people who no matter what are going to run a node, they're going to hold their own keys and they're going to defend the
3: system. Yeah. I thought that was a great, uh, you know, way to do it. And like, and he wasn't talking, he didn't say anything about being rude to anybody or insulting anybody, which I don't do. not i am not, I don't try to do that to anybody. Like it's not about, you know personal uh dealing with other people personally in a not nice way which i don't you know support but that doesn't mean that i'm any less you know that the you can't be if you are absolutely committed to strengthening the bitcoin network and not interested in anything else like That's, yeah, that shows strength. You're still toxic
1: for not being. I don't, I I don't, yeah, I don't know.
3: (laughs) That's, uh, I, that's just not my experience. I, I've found (laughs) most people to be nice. I mean, it depends what people want to focus on. If they want to focus on, the not the top Listen, I could talk about like compared to you know anti-Semitism. You could say that the internet is entirely anti-Semitic and hateful because you get one message here and one message there, and they're the loudest people, and they're maybe the ones that you remember. But if you just like filter that stuff out and focus on the ninety-nine percent of the good stuff, then you're not going to you're not going to get that. So it's about where you focus.
2: Now, it, it the the metaphor would be even better though if the Jewish people went on the internet with the sole intent of proselytizing and converting people to Judaism. <laughs> and
3: people were like, oh my God, leave us the <laughs>
2: Yeah,
3: that's not a, doesn't, I'm mostly in it for a, like, it, I, it's getting harder now that I've been at this for like two years, finding the like crossover Jewish Bitcoin jokes, I'm like, I have pushed as uh, pretty far. <laughs> Like I've I've gotten uh, quite a few in. Uh, I said today, because you know Rosh Hashanah starts tomorrow night. I'm like Rosh Hashanah, just like Bitcoin, the, the dips are sweet, because uh, <laughs> on on Rosh Hashanah we dip in apple and honey, as opposed to you know whatever other uh dip on on Passover hummus. we dip in yeah or you do hummus or salt water or something else. You know on Rosh Hashanah the dips are sweet so. There's my, uh, that's, (laughs) I'm digging deep for, for these, uh, (laughs) for these connections and jokes. I mean, I've got the more serious stuff. Like I've still been working on my, um, my Bitcoin and Judaism presentation, which I've uh, given a, a couple times this year and like developed on that. Um, but mostly just, you know, having fun. Like this is still, uh, like my side thing. I was telling Michael that like I'm teaching this year is taking on a whole new, uh, amount of work and stuff. So like I'm very busy with that, but like I'm still finding time to do a, a lot more tinkering with Bitcoin stuff and um and still trying to get translations of my book out. I think we're up to like 10 translations now. I've got like another five or 10 that are like waiting for publishers to to find like publishers in different countries. Um, it's harder than you'd think like finding a publisher in China so, because I'm self-published. So I don't have like those connections so we're still we're doing that but um as far as like bitcoin tinkering stuff i feel like each of the past couple of years of me come being in like since 2017 have had kind of like themes like 2017 was just like the mania of the world. there wasn't even time to like understand what was going on and then 2018 was like understanding two things one like monetary policy and um like more in detailed and uh, nodes, really getting understanding the idea of the decentralized uh, node system and the necessity of that. And then 2019 is really when we met, and that was Lightning. So 2019 was like all Lightning, like Lightning stores, BTC pay server, like I was accepting Lightning, like a lot of that, and it's still going on. But for me, uh, this year has been like all multi-sig. And that's like what I've been focusing on and tinkering with and like learning and and doing all kinds of stuff. So like that's been a multisig has really it's just like when lightning kind of hit that point in like 2018 19 with the node launcher where it was like just going over the edge where it was going to be doable for the average user, multisig has just hit that point now where the average user can actually do multisig and set it up and like it's a it's a much better. And it's in some ways much more interesting than lightning because for lightning it's about spending and uh multi-sig is about hodling so like yeah. which one is actually more relevant and more serious and important at least for now like that's having like some some serious multisig uh setup is like a real it's it's really valuable and important for a lot of people
1: yeah, so you recently uh, partook in a 15 of 15 uh, multi-sig uh, experiment. Wait, multi-sig fundraiser experiment. That's right. Yeah, can you can you tell us all about that?
3: So um, I'm sure most of you are, and most of the listeners, are familiar with the Electrum desktop wallet. That's like classic. So they, now you can do um, multi-sig uh, quorum, set up a wallet with multiple vendors of, um, hardware wallets, which is really awesome. So if you've got ledgers or treasures or cold cards, I think it's those three, there might be others, or you can just like, um, plug in the, the X pubs or the Z pubs or whatever of whatever wallet you've set up. And you, um, can set up whatever quorum you want of like one of two, two of three, three of five. And then the, if you push it all the way to the end it says 15 out of 15 and i just saw that and i was like well that's really ridiculous because that means that you make you make a wallet that has 15 private keys and you need to sign any every single transaction with all 15 private keys now this is an absurd uh non-practical thing that you would never want to do because uh, even if you had that many people, you would still want some redundancy. There's no need to have require, even if you're like a billion dollar company and this you're doing self custody, you would want it to be like five out of seven or something. I don't know. 15 out of 15 is just not.
1: Or at least 15 out of 25 or something.
3: It, well, okay. So here's the thing there is a technical limit. Why 15 out of 15? There is a technical limit in this. I don't, I think it's the size of a Bitcoin transaction. Mm hmm that it cannot be. Now, I was told that with SegWit and with neg- a native SegWit, it could actually be more than 15 out of 15. But I think with regular original one, a- uh, whatever, one addresses, uh, legacy addresses, it can only be 15 maximum. I believe that's the case. And now you can do maybe 16 or 17, something like that. I don't know if right. it's been tried. But the Electrum wallet only lets you, just in their in their GUI, only lets you do... 15 out of 15. Um, so, so that, yeah, so that, so it was just basically, I was like, why not? Let's do it. I like that. I'm experimenting with, uh, with um, multi-sig. I bet some other people are. Let's do this as a fundraiser for some devs. Cause that's been getting uh, like some traction lately, like Matt O'Dell has started a website that's uh, sponsoring devs and uh you know pierre has been uh sponsoring devs and you know it's a good thing to do so we started this uh this thing we all got in a telegram chat and everyone had the electrum uh software and we just started it was like make your wallet and then put in the zpub and then we all shared our zpubs with each other zpub is a segwit version of an xpub and um it uh we saw like that it worked, like that we made a wallet, and between a few of us, like it was the same wallet over and over again. Um, then one person sent a million sats to it, um, and then we r- realized that there was actually a problem uh, because not everyone used the same derivation path to get their zpub, and we couldn't figure out how to fix this. Like we, we were just like really stuck and we had now a million sats that are frozen in this 15 out of 15, uh, wallet. And we'd like tried for like a day until like, we tried different, different wallets and different software and stuff. And we're just like, totally. And I like posted on, I posted on, uh, on Twitter, like asking like Luke Dash Jr. and and Peter Willie and, uh, like, they're like what are you doing? Like, why did you do this? And they're like, why would you send money to a, to a 15 out of 15 multisig unless you were sure that you could spend from it? And I was like, yeah, I told everyone to wait Until we we confirmed that we could do that, but Bitcoiners are reckless children (laughs) and somebody just decided that they needed to to do this before we actually, he literally, I think he said like YOLO, (laughs) a million sats and just, so now we've got this million sats on the line. If if that money wasn't there, we could have easily fixed it because we would have just um, replaced one of the ZPUBs with a different ZPUB. And just made a new wallet and just started so we it would have taken like 10 minutes to just redo that but um once you've made the wallet and you've made the receive address and there's a, a utxo frozen there now we've got this money on the line that we need to solve so uh the long story short of how it got fixed is um instagibs who is a core um contributor uh i dm'd him and he was he like commented something I DM'd him, and he like ran figured out some Python script to figure out I don't know what he did, but something like it, actual cryptography stuff to like figure out what we were missing and and make it work, and then we were able to do it. And so we sent maybe like two and a half million um, uh, Sats total um, to two different. Developers, um, one guy who is making the um, Lily wallet, which is also makes a, a, a is a multi sig wallet with different yeah. hardware wallets. Kevin Wilcrown. Uh, Kevin Mulcrone. 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 And then, yeah. uh, I don't know. And then Ben Kaufman, who is developing Specter, which is a like multi sig full node integration kind of thing. A great, I've I've used both of them and really like them. And what's really awesome about multi sig is that it's native to the protocol. So when you make a multi-sig wallet, you know what I, I was saying? Like about the, like, um, um, cave, uh, mountain man, like you're not beholden to any single wallet, um, developer or any single software because you're not, you're just using that software as a GUI for the Bitcoin protocol. Like it's just, it's just producing for you. You can take your, your, private keys and your public keys and you can go elsewhere. So you can make a wallet in Electrum and then transfer it over to Lily and transfer it over to Unchained Caravan and transfer it over to Spectre. And it's the same wallet as long as you have your, you know, your derivation path, your, your X pub and your private key. And so that was a great thing that, to, that I learned about this process is that like you are, you're really sovereign when you make a multi-sig wallet. It's much more sovereign than, I had thought and like i looked into the um the services that like set up um multi-sig for you and like i think it's it's a good service for some people like they might want that but like i was too you know i i tried it out and looked at it and i was like no i i gotta have my like mountain man multi-sig like this has got to be you know a hundred percent that like if the whole everybody cla- if every single bitcoin developer like disappears like i still need to just be able to have this on my own like what that so that's that's what i that's part of the learning process of of this whole thing so it was a lot of fun and uh we got some core devs involved we got like a bunch of
1: like bitcoin plebs involved and like we all you know we all learned something so that's the best part it seems fitting that 2020 would be the year of the mountain man Uh, after all that has happened, uh, to to truly take on that that mountain man attitude.
2: Yeah. Yeah. To to, to me, there's like two things here. One is um, experimentation, right? Like people talk about, oh, Bitcoiners don't want to experiment. Yeah, they do. (laughs) They absolutely do. Um, And they, they run a lot of experiments. And this is one of the more interesting experiments I've heard as of late, because it's very simple to just like, write a book that says well one could hypothetically do a 15 of 15 multisig right and then not actually do it um but and this is it goes back to running the numbers of like actually doing it you got, you got you got to actually go through the steps of putting together a 15 of 15 multisig and and prove it out prove that it's possible using an experiment. And you don't have to issue an altcoin to do that.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that was our second plan. Once, when we thought we were going to lose the money, we're like, I know, we'll tokenize this. (laughs) We'll wrap it. (laughs) Um,
2: And then the the second point is about, um, like, improving Bitcoin's usability, improving the UX. Again, you have to actually use it in order to improve the UX, right? Like, sitting back and just complaining that the ux is bad because you know we can't do it it's like that's one thing but then you gotta actually it's open source you gotta go try it yourself you can't just like expect you know a free lunch or uh,
3: expect people to do your work for you yeah but there are there are that's that's what i was saying like just 2019 was the year of of turn bringing lightning, you know, it's not perfect. It's not for yeah. the masses, quote unquote, but it bringing it to the Bitcoin masses, to the Bitcoiner masses was like the year of that. And this year is like bringing multisig to the Bitcoin masses where it's not like, you know, your grandmother couldn't set up multisig, but ba- literally any Bitcoiner that uh, has used um, hardware wallets can or run a node at this point can set up a two of three or three of five multi-sig and, um, you know, and I don't know if that's the best thing for them, but there are so many benefits of it, of the, of, of from security of like the, the, it's cool to know that like, I, it's also good for being a hodler like i couldn't spend bitcoins if i wanted to like i would have to like get in my car and drive somewhere and like you know do a a thing so it's from the security and from the um of the uh like safe from loss security from theft or lost so like i'm just not worried about that anymore because of the like such strong security things that multisig provides and so I'm like, yeah, I'm recommending it too. Like, it obviously it all. If there's a cost to it, there's a mental cost and a time cost. And and uh, if you're going to use hardware wallets, there's the cost of that. So like, you have to evaluate. Like, are you going to like buy a thousand dollars worth of hardware and spend twenty hours on software to protect your like, you know, fifteen million Sats or something? Like, obviously, each person has to measure it at their own. But like for people that you know have have something they want to protect, like that, it seems like the right answer for most people.
1: I think uh, there's a lot that people have to wrap their heads around getting into multi-sig where um, there's a lot of sort of uh, security things that are almost uh, background or just, down the line for someone who's dealing with uh, just maybe a single SIG setup. So for instance, you know, you mentioned how you, you do have to save additional information. You have to know the derivation paths. You have to know the XPUB itself. Um, and for, for each of uh, the keys in the quorum. So We're the at- thing
3: about that though, is that that's not, um, that's not sensitive in regards to your, um, right no one steal your funds so that you could really you could like data. give that you could like put that on the cloud or like share that with like ev- all of your close friends and sure. like bet that's like i i'm not so worried about like it's literally the size of a half a the amount of information needed is like half of a word document in length so yeah, uh,
1: of course like that this is all all true, but at the same time, like you do have to store that somewhere, yeah, you know, whether you have it's to on know, it, cloud, have to know that that ex- you have to know that you have to do that if you like, don't have that information, step. if you don't have that information, you're not getting your money um, well, it depends it, you could you could brute force probably if you use the default
3: settings on whatever software there 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 you could probably brute force the um derivation paths. I, I imagine it would be hard. I
1: think, I think there's a way, yes. I guess it, what yeah. I'm trying to say is that with single signature, this is much more background. You almost don't worry about it. There's, there's uh, the wallet recovery website that uh, mm-hmm. Rodolfo Novak put together and it has the the main derivation paths, you can go on Electrum now, and it has the tool made by Luke Childs that will automatically like go in and, and try to find where money is stored based on you know, well-known derivation paths, based on gap limits and all of that. With multisig, the point that I'm trying to get at is that you have to bring it up front. So you have to think about these problems ahead of time. Um, as opposed to waiting for an Electrum recovery service. You have to think about derivation paths at the beginning. And so it's a little more than people are used to, uh, but it's, of course, well worth it to know it uh, because it helps with all Bitcoin uh, you know, wallets. Any, any BIP32 wallet, you do already have to think about these things. It might just be more straightforward and something you can kick down uh, the road until you have a disaster situation.
3: Yeah, I, I, that's totally true. There's a lot more, which is where the, probably the value in these services that like partner with you for, um, for multi-sig that's, that's where that value is, is that if you, they're going to take care of that for you and hold your hand and just, and teach it to you. Um, but, uh, you know, going through it, uh, the, uh, anyone who is, mildly technical is is going to be able to learn this they may not know it now and they might it's not intuitive but i think it will be and it might be that you know if, if you're if your hodling plan is you know uh, decades long probably a lot of that will get figured out just like there's the uh, um the plugins that can search through derivation paths for single sig i'm sure that will also exist for multi-sig so
2: assuming people do what you're doing, right? Assuming people actually use it, identify ways to improve it, and then go contribute their time to the open source. Right,
0: but it's, um, it's going in
2: the right direction. I, I, I completely mean, agree. I, and I kind of see it like, you know, with, with guns, right? Like, I think that guns are the best metaphor for private keys um because
3: they they really are for bitcoin yeah bitcoin is like a bit forget about digital gold or digital uh, real estate bitcoin are digital guns
2: yeah digital bazookas (laughs) (laughs) once you pull the trigger yeah it's gone and and you know you you go to the gun range um you there's going to be an instructor, right? Hopefully the first time you go to a gun range, there's an instructor. Uh, if there isn't, um, maybe don't go. Uh, and, and they're gonna explain to you how to safely use this firearm. Um, but that's, that's not the end of it, right? There, You've gotta really do training. You've gotta practice both in terms of shooting targets, uh, you know, and and paper targets, right? So that means uh, maybe go on testnet if you really want to, or use small dollar amounts.
3: Oh, I posted. Yeah, I, I said un unpopular opinion. Uh, Bitcoiners don't use testnet. No, that's no, my. No. I don't no, believe. I said. I said developers use testnet. You know, they need to test their code. That's fine. Bitcoiners test with you know under a million sats. That's like the. In production. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. it
2: really. What else could give you this the same confidence, right? Because yeah. test net is not main net. So you, you're not going to get the same amount of confidence. And, and so there's like shooting targets. And there's also like um, taking apart your firearm, cleaning it, putting it back together. And so do, doing recovery processes, right? Uh, where you actually test, okay, does my backup work? Um, and you don't want to be doing this all the time because there's risks associated with it. Right. And this is the same thing with firearms, right? When you're doing firearm stuff, there's a risk that you accidentally shoot your hand or whatever. And so you got to be very careful when you're doing these things and you know, even don't do them when
3: you're drunk or whatever, but um, (laughs) don't, that's a rule. Don't multi-sig while drunk. That is a strong, that I I recommend everybody. You could fat finger it and accidentally send, you know, way too many sats. (laughs) Uh,
2: but you, you should you should you should practice, and I think that's something that, that kind of goes understated in the Bitcoin community of like, um, you know, yes, with your main stash, you know, figure out not a permanent solution. Part part of Bitcoin's value proposition is that there's it is kind of a permanent solution, right? In the sense that you don't need to mess with your keys, you don't need to rotate your keys and refresh them every six months or whatever. Um, but with some percentage of it. To be doing that uh, so that you are really good about, you know, doing multi-sig, undoing, undoing multi-sig, recovering multi-sig. And also, as you're saying, like trying out new multi-sig products because and new multi-sig wallets that are coming out all the time. So it's like a good way to, you know, learn about them and figure out what the best solution is.
1: There there's, you know, things you can do just starting off. Like, you know, when you set up, say a hardware wallet or um, just any, any, uh, any wallet, once you get it, you know, write down what some of the addresses were that were generated and then delete it all and then rebuild it again. And if you come up with the same thing, then you have, you know, the sanity check of I can recover this thing and then send money to it. So you don't even have to send money until you already know that the thing works. Uh, If you want to be, if you want to go YOLO, you can also do it the way of like, you know, send money to it and then see if you can recover the money. Uh, It's (laughs) up to you. Um, I think there's like a time preference thing too, where it's like, you know, multi-sig is something that perhaps might, uh, when you are forced to think about these problems up front, that seems daunting um, and challenging at the same time. The more that you can acquire that knowledge to work with the protocol at the native level, uh, the freer you are in the future. So, uh, you know, once you start to see the real value proposition in Bitcoin and the, the long-term uh, potential, the more you will have a reason to sit down and, and learn these things so that you can have control for that conceivable future. Um, It's very, very well worth it, even if it does take that upfront work. Um, And so for for noobs too, that, you know, that brings up a lot of questions about, you know, how do you onboard noobs? And part of me thinks that uh, what you have to do is really just get them to see the long term vision of Bitcoin in the first place. And a lot of this kind of follows after the fact. Because they're going to want to make sure that they are in here for the long term. But if they don't see that long term, if they're just looking for, you know, uh, oh, I'm going to put some money in, and maybe in a couple months the money will have grown because there's like a mania happening. You know, that, oh, why would that person care about, you know, protocol like level, you know, native financial tools? Michael, that- I,
2: I want to defend that person. I really do. I want to defend that person because here's what happens. So they make their money, right? Uh, Bitcoin Mm -hmm. goes up like 30% or whatever, and they're like, all right, I'm cashing out, great trade. And then it goes up 1,000%, right? And they're like, holy cow, I sold way too early. What did I do? What did I get wrong? And that's when it comes back, right? Like then they're like, all right, I'm going to actually learn what happened. uh, Oh, yes, yes.
1: And I have to imagine, you know, uh, Michael Saylor uh, felt that quite a bit. You know, people found yeah. his tweet from 2013 where he was kind of like, yeah, oh, this thing's, you know, I don't think this thing's going to last. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we, we love our pre-coiners, of course. Uh, the point here, even that person, they had to go through this process of, they had their initial estimation of what Bitcoin was. Reality had to smack them in the face. And now they have to level up um, in light of that. And so, you know, yes, like on onboarding people, it it is going to be hard to get someone to care about, you know, uh, X pubs and derivation paths and multisig and all of that at the beginning. Um, first things first, they're just going to want number go up.
3: I hit a, a milestone recently in, um, it's uh it's bar mitzvah season in my just in my neighborhood like it just happens to be uh a, a group a cluster of of boys um you know hitting around their thirteenth birthdays and so I've hit the uh one thousand dollars worth of bitcoin gifts between oh over the course of like three years to weddings bar mitzvahs friends something like that so like there are that many, uh, that much Bitcoin out there too over the course of like, I don't know, 25 different people or something like that. Like that's just my go-to. Uh, so I like that of, you know, the those people are, are pre-coiners still, even though they've got some Bitcoin and got you know, a private key, uh, you know, stored with their parents and like their safety deposit box or something. But well, I'm looking forward to that point when like they get 10X. Some of them are about 2X or so, um, but, and then they just like, find out that's when they're gonna be like whoa how like where did this come from like that's when i'm gonna remind them you know when they whatever uh the birthday they hit like a few years after the point uh that's that's fun you know it's nice to know that those are out there yeah. um what else uh Another uh, thing about multi-sig and people is that Bitcoiners seem to be, like, getting onto it and liking it, is that Bitcoiners do have this kind of, like, long-term uh, – Bitcoiners think about, uh, like, multi-generational Bitcoin. That is a thing that I don't think other people with any any other assets – I mean, land, I guess, but, like, very high worth net high net worth individuals, something like that. But, like, certainly no other cryptos or anything are thinking, like, this – you know, this sushi coin will be bequeathed <laughs> to my, to my heirs, makes like, that's, It just the, 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 the multi perspective, I think is. I mean, there's some reasons for business, uh, uh, reasons why, why it's definitely useful, and just like security in general, but I think there's, there's a lot more of that thought of like, how do I make sure that my Bitcoin is going to be accessible to my next of kin, um, and that is like, you you have to have that really long-term thought process for that.
2: Yeah. Even land, like the reason I, I don't think intergenerationally about land is that my own family has moved around a lot. And mm-hmm. I think that reflects kind of a, a lot of people's experiences is that their families have, have moved around. And
3: I, I mean, like, I mean, like, thousand acre like oh yeah, yeah. No, yeah that can...
2: <laughs> but even if i were to get like a huge ranch in texas it's like well mm-hmm. what if my son loves skiing right it's mm-hmm. like oh he he would have wanted uh, a cabin you know up in aspen or whatever and so it, he's gonna sell all of that land right to do what and I, I want him to sell that land because i want him to do what he wants to do of course and so that's where it's like okay it makes more sense with bitcoin of like all right, here's, here's this digital asset. Uh, it's scarcer than land. Uh, and it's just far more liquid. He can go anywhere in the world with his Bitcoin and he'll be able to just have it right there with him. Um, or, I also have a daughter on the way. So now I should say him hey. and <laughs> oh, Hey,
3: oh, fun. Yeah. Uh
2: Thank you. Yeah, and then their, their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren
3: and uh, so on. I know, who's running the numbers on land? I mean, how do we even know
1: how much land there is? Oh, They're still is creating hard. it.
2: <laughs> They're creating more land. Land is
1: getting destroyed. Uh, Elon, uh, Musk, is- Elon <laughs> Musk is going to terraform Mars. We're going to have a whole <laughs> other There's, planet he's, of land. He's going he's to mine the gold from the
3: asteroids and then terraform uh, Mars. None of your scarce resources are actually scarce, <laughs> thanks to Elon Musk. Well, There's then only you, one thing he can do is and,
1: print one single extra satoshi than than necessary. And then you have the problem of like, you know, measuring uh the border of something. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, depending on what resolution of right. measurement you it can you be use. an infinite border. Yeah, yeah. And it's like how do you how do you calculate this? Um yeah, no one's no one's running the numbers, uh, but I think you know the the interesting thing there too is you know you pointed out like yeah maybe some ultra high net worth individuals are thinking about like their Downton Abbey situation or something, but Bitcoin is this time where we have a a sort of I don't want to say I'll say mass culture it's 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 growing it to a, a very large size of plebs you know, just normal people who are thinking multi-generationally, which I think is, um, I don't think that's a, a new phenomenon, but it's a, it's a restored phenomenon um, that yeah, people are able it, to think on
2: these terms. It really hit home for me when I was, I was on Twitter, obviously, scrolling, uh, <laughs> and um, I saw two tweets side by side. One was a plebe saying, hey, I, I asked for a raise from my boss and he gave it to me. And so, you know, I'm, I'm stacking more sats uh, and building up my savings. And then the next tweet was Michael Saylor being like, hey, I just bought a hundred you know, million dollars <laughs> of Bitcoin. I was like, yeah, I mean, big or small, whoever you are, like this is a level playing field. This, this is what equality of opportunity really looks like, right, that it's an open public network uh, and there's a million different ways to earn or buy or somehow get your hands on some sats. Um, and it's, it's just mind boggling. It brings people together rather than, you know, like with fiat where it's like, well, you know, Wall Street benefits from fiat while Main Street, you know, is hurt by it um, because of the Cantillon effect. You just don't have that, that kind of tension in Bitcoin.
1: American hodl, uh prior to him getting banned again, um, <laughs> as as is want to as happen. he was
3: want to do. Yeah, yeah uh,
1: he he had a little video where he was he was pointing this out, and I thought it was an interesting point. How uh, you know, bit corners are the type of people who, you know, a billionaire shows up and he's like, yeah, oh, we just bought, you know, however much, you know, however many thousands of stats, and and uh, or sorry, Bitcoins, and um, the Bitcoiner response is like, oh, man, nice going. That's great. You know, there's, like a, there's actually a, a cheering on. <laughs> Good of, for you. I'm yeah. proud of you for, <laughs> for getting off zero. <laughs> it's like a total, total respect, you know, respect around, around the, the group as opposed to um, having a zero-sum mentality about it. It's like everyone can be leveling themselves up um when they're engaging with you know a sound money
3: i've also seen people respond though and be like are you gonna let him go out there and take your, your sats like you go out there and get they're ready. there's a there's a shortage you know there's soon to be a shortage don't let the you know the the big guys come in and uh, and and eat up all the sats before you get your share
1: right well and that's my attitude um i just like you know there's a, there's a healthy respect for everyone who does get their share um as opposed to a like the, yeah I- exactly yeah and yeah. they
3: could be any per- any kind of person it's like i you know if they are wh- whoever they and there are some celebrities or something i saw the, uh the other day gene simmons of uh kiss posted something about like he retweeted like was it jack or somebody i don't something about bitcoin and uh, I'm just like, that's all right, cool, man. Rock on, you know, <laughs> Gene Simmons of Kiss, you know, has clearly got some uh, Bitcoin uh, ideas going on. So there, there are also some, a few of those kind of things trickling in. Like it's totally, yeah. it, it, it's, it has saturated the culture at this point where it's just going to like keep bubbling up, you know, with different people, different companies, different celebrities, that kind of thing. There's also oh, a stoic attitude. Yeah.
1: Well, no, he he publicly said that he doesn't have any and yeah, he would never be say. asking for them.
2: People are going to have to talk about Bitcoin because their accounts get hacked and ask for Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: right. also like a, a stoic attitude to have of just, you know, lately, you know, it's like, oh, well, we don't want, you know, Wall Street people to buy Bitcoin or we don't want a government to buy Bitcoin or whatever. It's like, there's a stoic attitude to be had where it's accepting uh, at full face the fact that Bitcoin is for enemies and literally everyone is going to be demanding it. And the only way you can keep someone from purchasing a Bitcoin is to not sell it to them. And in order to do that, you need the Bitcoins to not, to not be able to, 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 in order to be able to not sell them.
2: What's amazing to me is the mental gymnastics that I'll hear about. Well, we don't want MicroStrategy to buy Bitcoin because they can have their Bitcoin seized by the government and they can be censored. And so it's like, okay, so you you want to seize their Bitcoin now because their Bitcoin might be seized in the future, right? Is that like, what, what's the argument
3: here? I don't know. One yeah. of my favorite new Bitcoiners, though, is uh, Spencer Schiff. Yes. that He is uh, 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 Peter Schiff's son, 18-year-old son. Is, uh, I actually recommended, he was on his birthday, and I, I tweeted him, I said, hey, last time uh, your father posted his, uh, his address, uh, people sent him, like, 5 million sats. So uh, it's your birthday, you should do that. And then, like, an hour later or something, uh the father posted and said hey it's my son's birthday he's interested in bitcoin why don't you bitcoin or show him some love and he got some i don't know how much he got but like that was a that's a funny <laughs> there, there's my, been some funny tweets about that
1: my favorite was peter schiff's tweet it was like who are you gonna believe an 18 year old with no experience or you know me with all of my experience and of course everyone voted spencer <laughs> he, what Peter wanna... Shiff is, ma- is a master at
3: trolling Bitcoin Twitter. It's really an <laughs> art uh, for him.
2: And his son is excellent at tweeting as well. You know, he, mm-hmm. his tweets are very well written and get a huge amount of engagement and traction without even like, you know, h- h- him having to trade on his father and his grandfather's name. I want to understand what are the genetics at play here that you can have three generations, and on Spencer's Twitter profile, it says, like, Austrian economics, anarcho-capitalism. Like, uh-huh. he's, like, hardcore. Yeah, he quotes
3: Mises when
2: he yeah. speaks out Mises. Like that's He's true. not, like, watered down. Like, Rand Paul is watered down Ron Paul, right? <laughs> Spencer Schiff is, like, purified Peter <laughs> Schiff.
1: Pure gold. <laughs> See, so in that sense, we do have things to learn from Peter Schiff. Yeah. He's we have our, our multi-generational... Father, right? <laughs> When we think about multi-generational, there is the, the cultural attitude. How do we pass on to our children the importance of running the numbers?
2: It, it, to me, it's kind of sad. Um, well, we have a lot of fallen heroes in Bitcoin, right? But to, it's sad for me about Peter Schiff being a fallen hero because I I listened to, like, during the financial crisis and all of this, like, to me, it was like, oh, wow, Peter Schiff, you know, he, he was right about everything. He's, he's truly, uh, you know, the Warren Buffett of 2008. Um, and, and, and then it, it's very like, I don't know, disheartening because Ron Paul is more open-minded than Peter Schiff, right? Ron Paul is like, oh yeah, currency competition. This is great. You know, Bitcoin's yeah. great. Um, Whereas Peter Schiff was like anti uh, because of, uh, I guess, you know, he wants to
3: really promote gold, which is fine, but
1: it could be like a business interest that just, yeah, uh, at this point,
3: I think that it's, it's, it's business, he, uh, or at least he, he the could business even be a hardcore Bitcoiner. Or-
1: He could even be a hardcore Bitcoiner, and he just knows how to how to troll to keep his engagement up.
2: I think his business would do well if he added some (laughs) more Bitcoin to it. Yeah, yeah,
1: Peter, we know you're listening. So uh, (laughs) just make the Bitcoin an explicit part of your business, and that'll help engage with even more.
2: Right, we're still very early. There's not like any like, oh, well, I could have bought at fifty cents instead of arguing against it. And you know it's it's kind of a sunk cost fallacy at that. Point. Yeah, I
3: was just gonna say that. I don't know. I think there are probably mental blocks that when for those two reasons that the the sunk cost that like he missed that boat and then the his my business is uh, is whatever opposition to that or if you might want to view it that way. I just think it's you know it's not it can't either it's either it's a a uh, facade or it's just not going to happen.
2: okay now rabbi isn't this why we have children right so that because we ossify right our brains ossify and Uh in order for the human race to adapt and to grow and to you know have prosperity and peace like you have to reset things with generations
3: yeah, you know, there's a balance to that. Um, you know, because obviously there's the concept of respecting your parents and respecting your elders, but there's absolutely a question or a, a concept that uh especially, you know, in the uh the days, the you know, the days leading up to uh the Mashiach, the Messiah, you know, the, the perfect world, like the however there are different ways of saying it, that that the children are going to rebel, that they are going to see, you know, the old ways have gotten us, haven't gotten us to where we need to go and like we need rad- radical change. And so the, the, the children definitely are uh, of this ni- um, digital age, are digital native and are going to be Bitcoin native. And so that is the things that their parents just aren't going to get and can't get. And so I always tell people like I've talked to, I always uh, go back and forth with uh, Gary about this, um, like, you know, he's a uh, Bitcoin boomers and stuff. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I think we gotta be focused on the under 20 crowd, you know, the, they're the ones that, are, that, that are, are really the generation of Bitcoin.
1: Yes.
2: Um, yes, with the caveat that Michael Saylor was born in 1965.
3: Sure there there are going to be some. Yeah. I just mean for re, re, a yeah. uh, reward of, you know, cost reward uh, analysis of of how much effort is it needs to go into it. Uh, it's much better to to get the younger people hooked so it, into it. It right also way.
1: realistically like that means that you know Michael Saylor's uh, time in bitcoin is more limited. Right. So and, like and there is a time where they have to pass it has to be passed down regardless.
2: Yeah. Well, it's like he had to go to Twitter. Like old old people have to go to the young people. There's no like, although I, I he also mentioned that he had a friend that was kind of pushing it on him uh, at one point too. So I think it it's a combination, a, a lot of this. Um, but it, to me on, on Twitter, it's like I feel like I'm talking to everyone and that it skews older. Like, people like Spencer Schiff are the exception on Twitter, mm-hmm. in my That's experience, um, in terms of, like, college freshmen, uh, high school.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's In really many ways, not- I feel like the younger guy.
2: Well, and you yeah. got to have a job, right? You got to be like... Yeah, liberating. you
3: can't have Bitcoin if you don't have money. That's the yeah. thing. So, they're, they're not ready for Bitcoin yet because they don't have any money. They don't invest. People yeah. don't start investing. I mean, Pierre, your wife would know about when people do start investing, when they... <laughs> Should start investing. Yeah, stuff. when they become they don't of start aren't investing, so they don't uh, have anything to spend. That's very <laughs> right. true. So then they how much? What per what percent Bitcoin allocation does she uh, does she give her clients? No, comment. somewhere in the somewhere in the ninety to ninety seven percent. So bearish. <laughs> well, <laughs> we got to have her on the podcast <laughs> that. I, I do remember you had one with you had uh, the three of you. And uh, I remember another. commenting, I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure Michael said something, you know, around 99% or something. And her face was just like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> she's got a book coming out. So we're going to have her back oh, on cool. the podcast to, to, to promote oh, the book. Yeah.
3: She's been really, she's been uh, awesome on Twitter lately. She really upped her game this past like a uh, year or a few months or something. So I, I really like uh getting, hearing her uh, tips and stuff. It's good to to have a good house with financially.
2: Exactly. Um, And, and it's, I I benefit from it day to day because she runs our finances. Um, But uh, for her to share her wisdom on Twitter, I think is excellent too, because it's, it's kind of, well, first of all, you know, we met on OkCupid or my wife and I, not, not my rabbi, now. Um, <laughs> uh, a- and we can meet up. people other places than Twitter. <laughs> All right, uh, back in the day, back before, <laughs> and our personalities overlap like ninety percent according to Cupid's like algorithm, and you know, so she's very much in the same camp of like the kind of no-nonsense, uh, you know, let's get to the hard truth here uh, approach
3: of things. <laughs> Whereas, Run like, the numbers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh,
2: and, and, you know, people with their finances, they kind of need a little bit of tough love because money is such an emotional topic. And they, they, they develop um, dogmas about money that then become very deeply entrenched and to challenge them, you, you you can either go about it like flanking, right? Of like, all right, well, let's not challenge your, your money scripts. Let's find a way around them. Um, or you take them on head on. And that's where you say like, look, a house is not an investment. It's, some, it's your home. It's where you're gonna live, all right? It's consumption. Uh, and so kind of um, breaking the, those uh, dogmas is, and, and the other part is like fiat creates a certain mindset. And we talk about, I talk about this a lot, right, of the consumption, the, the high-velocity trash economy. Um, and, and people have to be deprogrammed because it's not just fiat inflation that is reinforcing this consumerist mindset. It's also like mass culture. Um, mm-hmm. that is constantly messaging to people. Like you got to keep up with the Joneses. You got to be on the hedonic treadmill. You got to get the next big thing. Um, and that's where also let's, Hey, let's, let's talk about it. The secularization of society, right. Where that's also driving the consumerist mindset and people end up, you know, worshiping things. Right. Cause um, your value, yeah.
3: Your value is in your physicality rather than your spirit or your you know uh, inner value
2: and people search for meaning in in things instead of yeah searching for meaning in higher places right um so that's that's what i i I really like about um morgan's approach to personal finance it's kind of more nuanced than just like hey buy stocks and bonds you Mm
3: -hmm. know Um, she's a holistic uh financial planner you yeah know, the, you've got to just you're, you're you got to do your life finances you know you're it,
2: well that's you're, what it is life planning is what is she she sells her clients on life planning not mm-hmm. financial planning mm-hmm. um and and she's she actually has herself done like training on this and there's you know th- there's courses and there are lots of material on it it's not like it's not like people haven't thought about this before but if you go to like morgan stanley or like you know one of these big financial f- institutions they don't care about life planning they're just mm-hmm. trying to like gouge you with fees <laughs> they're they're mm-hmm. not really in it for the right reasons they
3: only care about number go up that's yeah. all <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> exactly exactly and and they themselves like like if you talk with a lot of these people who work in finance they're living paycheck to paycheck they're not like actually living their advice right they're they're struggling to make ends meet themselves uh, and and they don't have the the same mindset that you need to build wealth. Um, but in any case, so yeah, Morgan's gonna come back on the podcast. <laughs> uh, um, where were we before talking about? Uh, well, we were
1: talking about a lot of like multi generational type oh, stuff. yeah, yeah. And yeah. you know, to bring it to bring all of this back together. Uh, so there's a there's some kind of shrine I've read about before in Japan that every 20 years they get together and they tear down the shrine and then they rebuild it. Um, And that way they can keep um, knowledge about what the shrine is, but also uh, pass down knowledge about the uh, art art and architecture, uh, you know, information that is needed, the skills needed to actually build that thing. So you don't forget how to build that. It's actually kind of scary to think that uh, of a lot of the great art that we look at around the world, there are pieces of art that perhaps we don't even know how to recreate it. If if you know, is it were to uh, burn down or something? Um, so they have this knowledge. It's like they can literally burn it down and recreate it. And that does make me wonder. In the context of multisig, is multisig something in the future where it's like you with your your uh, you know errors? tear down the multi-sig, reconstruct it because you can and use that as the opportunity to be teaching about, you know, running the numbers and, and all of this stuff, because from first principles, you have to show what it takes to store and verify this uh, money that you're passing down. Yeah, that's,
3: uh, and that's the thing is that it can be done. It uh, you know absolutely uh yeah you know there are lots of things uh, I'm thinking of we're coming up to the holiday season so we have like the thinking about building and tearing down we build uh so the holidays go first is Rosh Hashanah is the new year and then uh, ten days later is Yom Kippur the fast day day of atonement and then there's a week long festival called Sukkis, um which is the holiday of booths and so we build like a booth uh outside and you. It's a, for eight days, you, you build it up, you build like this house, you cover it and this, you eat out in it and then it's over and you tear it down and I mean, you don't destroy it, but like you take it down and then you rebuild it the next year. So that just reminded me of that, you know, you every year, like rebuild this and, uh, you know, relive that, that experience.
2: I think I'm going to build one this year. You've inspired me oh, right now.
3: Yeah. They're cool. They're great. Yeah. I'll send you some, 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 uh some, uh, guides on how to do it. It's pretty simple. Um, and yeah, I made they' they make like prefab ones that are like with poles and stuff and those you can buy, but
2: that sounds, uh, yeah. Like, it's,
3: yeah. yeah, yeah I time. really like making my own with like wood. It, it is, you're basically following like building a house, like the design with like the studs and that kind of thing. That's a, so I've got here, I've got my, uh, um shofar. How do I get this in the this I'll notice? There you go. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm mirrored or not, but the it goes it yeah. goes you got up it. and to the right. Uh <laughs> similar to the logarithmic Bitcoin chart. Uh the the up and to the right uh okay. constant uh it's yeah, it's a really well, it's a you know, actually, we don't use uh, from a bull to actually interesting because it's a straight horn or something, you can't get a sound out of it. But this one is from a goat, huh. and they uh, other ones are from rams or antelopes or something. I went to last summer to um, Crypto Springs, uh, I was invited to uh, that in Palm Springs, and I brought one day, I was on a uh, stage with them, and I uh, this whole month, like the leading up to Roshani, blow it to like practice. So I was like, how do I incorporate this into my, uh, into my speech, like into my uh, panel? So there's a verse that says um, uh, about the, about the shofar. It's like blow the blast, the shofar horn and proclaim freedom throughout the land. So that's uh, uh, to proclaim jubilee. So that's the, that's the shofar, shofar sound. So when you probably haven't heard one in a, have you ever heard this Pierre? Have you ever heard a, Oh, I, please, oh, you I've, know you're... I've
2: been to many synagogue <laughs> services uh, during All right, my so holidays. here, let's, let's we'll
3: give it a blast here. <laughs> hey.
1: <laughs> and thus the bull market begins. <laughs> there we
3: go. And they're yes. off. <laughs> well,
2: we we need a new word, right? Now it's bearish, bullish, and goatish. Goatish is, you know, greatest of all time. Uh, it's really beyond bear, right? It's this, su- or sorry, it's beyond bull. It's the Super Bowl.
3: Listen, the Rams. The Rams are the are those are the real ones, and they are like Rams are pretty pretty vicious. They're pretty you know, with the ram yeah, horns. They, yeah, you don't want to mess with them. Go. Yeah, so. I think I think that's what we're in for. Oh, I that think is, we've uh, declared
1: Bitcoin Jubilee.
3: <laughs> that's right. That's right. You are you're free to to hold your Sats as you please and uh, keep them keep them safe. Keep them safe for your for your children and beyond.
1: I'm I'm curious uh, on this topic of multi generational multi second stuff. Based on some of your tweets, it sounds like you've um, thought about these problems quite significantly. Um, And take an action. Is there any uh, wisdom around that you would share with people?
3: Um, Yeah, you know, I don't want to get too, uh, I've, you know, been really experimenting and developing my own system and stuff that's proprietary. Um, But, uh, you know, you want to have your keys um, uh, uh, divided by location. And depending on how much you have, you maybe want to be including a lawyer or a safety deposit box or something like if you have a, an estate lawyer or have a, an accountant or something that you can trust with um, holding on to literally a piece of paper or whatever. Um, but I like the uh, the way that um, Unchained Capital, uh, was it Phil Geiger who gave this presentation or someone else from there, um, said that with a multi-sig, like a two three quorum, you have seven pieces of information that you need You need or that you need to protect. Um, there's the three wallets, uh, the hardware devices, three backups for each one of them, like the 24 words, which I like to use um, a metal plate. I use uh, Bill Foddle, but there are a bunch of different versions of that, um, you know, like the crypto steel kind of thing um, mm-hmm. for the metal plate backup. And, uh, and then you, you need your derivation path. Yeah. Are your words in English, and is there a dictionary
2: in Hebrew? But I would go further and say you should make your own dictionary
3: from words from the Torah. Uh, interesting. Um, I don't know if there is one in Hebrew. Mine are not. That uh, I, I'm. I like. You know, when you're doing the same kind of thing with multi sig. Whenever you're dealing with this, you want to be as standard as possible. You 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 don't roll your own multisig, You know, use the use the standards that are. That are you know reliable. Yeah, so uh, yeah. so then you've got these seven pieces of information, uh, and you need you know you've got wallet one, two, and three, and backup one, two, and three, and then you need any combination of those, and then plus or either you need the wallet set up, you need the derivation path is set up on a laptop already, like the wallet is set up, um, or you can yeah it's you can have it as a file like a, a, your wallet file without the private keys. Um, and you like, it's, it's privacy because then they can see your, you know, your addresses and, and your balance, but, um, it's not secure. It's not like security for funds being lost. Um, and then, yeah, like it's good to have trusted family members in different states and during different jurisdictions. Um, and if you make it, make it so that it's a process to that, you can't just spend, um, and Uh, You know, maybe not all of your Bitcoins are going to be in this, but maybe some of them are. Um, And the ones that you really, really know, you don't want to be touching, however many that is, Um, however many sats that is. And that's it. Like, make that decision that this is a really long term thing. And then have instructions also for your for your next of kin, like for your family members. And it doesn't have to be something they understand right now, but it's, you know, there should be some kind of guide uh, that's like in their email or something like that that they can look at if they ever need to um, use the backup. I mean, likely you're gonna be the one doing, recovering the backup from them and just say like, hey, I need this information from you. Um, But uh, they should know what they need. Do you explain
2: the importance of bitcoin to them like is that do, um do you i mean all of my family of members it? own
3: some amounts of bitcoin all okay. i mean my siblings and my you, i i don't know if you see sometimes i interact with my brother on twitter so he's 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 heavy into the crypto world um uh and uh but my parents they yeah i mean they know what they have some they but the, you know whatever they use coinbase and they don't custody and they, they know you know they know who i who i am and what i do and like that's a uh, my mother has always introduced me for like the past 10 years or, or when she talks, she's like, my son, the rabbi. And now she's like, my son, he's the Bitcoin rabbi. So that's, you know, <laughs> part of it. Like, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, they have copies of my book yeah. and, you know, whatever. Like, like I've literally, my parents have sent um, friends of theirs to call me for consultation about when, uh, when Paul Tudor Jones uh, announced that he was uh, had accumulated some Bitcoin. So one of my father's friends uh, called him and then called me and was like, "I get the I, I heard I've been following this investor for the past twenty years and he says get Bitcoin. So what's a Bitcoin? You know what do I do? So that's uh, so, so did he jump on it or is he still looking at it? I haven't. Uh, no, okay. I think he did. I mean, I yeah. I gave him I told him what to do. I think I haven't followed up with him, but yeah. like he was. He was, like, I'm, he was like, I need to buy Bitcoin, tell me what to do. And I spoke That's to him amazing. for like about an hour. And I think, yeah, I, as far as I know, it, it went through.
2: I, I recently um, wrote a speech in French uh, and I had to do it with my parents because my French writing and frankly, like composition skills um, are a bit rusty now. It's been mm-hmm. like a decade since I was in high school. Um, And it was interesting because I think that they became even more persuaded of Bitcoin because of this, right? Where sentence by sentence, I was explaining the fundamentals of Bitcoin, you know, which I've done in English a million times, Mm -hmm. but translating it into French, like I could tell they were like getting more
3: bullish on Bitcoin as we finished (laughs) the speech. Um, Um, I'll send you, I have a French uh, version of my book it translated into French. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get that over to your parents.
2: Yes, because my mom's a French teacher and then she can put Ooh. the book in her class, right? And be like, hey, Excellent. let's learn some French. Yeah, uh, just, just sneak <laughs> it in there, you yeah. know? <laughs> Inception. Uh, <laughs> and, and so um, on the translation, you know, you mentioned, yeah, you're translating your book to a lot of different languages. And there's been a conversation in Bitcoin about, Inclusion and you know welcoming more people. I think the least welcoming part about Bitcoin is that it's all in English and mm-hmm. that it's really taken a lot of time to get things translated uh, into uh, you know other languages
3: and it seems that the greater crypto world with all the marketing dollars have put more of an effort into you I think that the the non English speaking like Asian countries and that have been swayed more by Alternative crypto projects that are specifically targeting them with uh, tr- materials translated.
2: And it's not necessarily malicious, right? It's because also those altcoin founders are in those countries, and that is their native mm-hmm. uh, language. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, or just they have the marketing dollars and are trying. Yes,
2: to. that's that's the Jimmy Song argument of uh, all of these. Uh, all the fundamentals of altcoins is whatever their marketing budget is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's that's it's a pretty Um, okay and so we gotta we gotta figure out yeah getting more translations up Not nakamoto institute has done a great job so congrats to bitstein for for getting more
1: translations up there as well um but ultimately like to me that's has done a great job yes the coin standard is Mm -hmm. in what 15 languages now yeah
3: yeah I've, i've i've spoken to him and uh gotten some advice for him from him on some languages uh so that's yeah His what he's done has been great
1: you know what the have most you, seen, uh certain languages are most popular
3: um I, german was the first and pretty popular um and spanish i guess french i have to look at, you know the german
2: speakers love bitcoin I, that I, seems I, I to be this.
3: Germany and, and Switzerland. German speakers in, I think, is it Switzerland? I think that they speak German. Yeah,
1: well, Switzerland
3: speaks like, right, like four different languages:
1: Italian, French, and German. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I just imagine the old like Swiss, Swiss watchmaker type, that person, oh, like carefully, God. carefully dealing with their UTXOs. <laughs> the <gym laughs> the glass, for them. jewelers' glasses. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I love it. Inspecting each number. <laughs> well they were the
3: german translators were the most they like i when i put out to translate it they jumped on it because they were like so there were that was the first one that came out and so that was uh you know clearly there was a demand there um and and the dutch too
2: also are huge bitcoin fans as well i've noticed like they love tulips tulips and bitcoin go hand in hand (laughs) Or they know that tulips don't have a difficulty adjustment. And so they've learned their lesson. Uh-huh. Bitcoin is tulips 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> Harder tulips. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I think that, so translating it, and the, the, the crazy part to me is I've heard people accuse Saifedean of being not only unwelcoming, but being a racist white person. When he's not even—he's not white, he's not racist, and he's translating his book. You know more than uh, you know, all these loud people on Twitter are are translating anything. Um, so it's a it's a weird world we live in.
3: Yeah, you know, I try not to get into any of the personal. I just find it—I mean, that's my that's my personal motto. I think it's appropriate as a as a rabbi. You know that I really. People can do whatever whatever they want to do i'm I'm doing my thing, and like I hope that we can you know be being nice to it we're all you know we're all uh brothers and sisters in this world, so try and remember that when you're dealing with someone behind uh you know behind the uh the keyboard there i
2: i I admire you so much because I don't have that patience at all. <laughs> i just I immediately start dropping F-bombs and
3: black. Well, bombs. let me, uh, okay, I won't tell you guys what my alt, count, uh, alt account is. <laughs> Are you uh, Ayi, Peter, <laughs> the Chihuahua? I knew it. <laughs> no comment, no comment. Uh,
2: I, I've heard his voice. So unless you have some kind of advanced voice modulation. Listen, I am
3: not gonna faking. I... <laughs> uh, yeah, I neither uh, acknowledge nor deny, deny any, yeah. uh, any of these uh, claims. Yeah. Um, so d- do you feel like
2: in the bear market that um, Bitcoin adoption in your circles has increased or has stagnated?
3: Whew. The bear market of 2020? Which, which
2: well, bear market? we can debate whether we're still in a bear market or not. Uh-huh. Arguably, arguably
3: 2020, or the bottom of the bear market was December of Mark.
2: 2018.
3: Okay. And this was a pullback or a whatever the the, the march. It's kind of just like drifting. Well, there was a the, there was the march, you know, crash. Yeah, I was like, uh, I don't know how you count these. Did things. people contact
2: you at that point of like, hey, what's going on?
3: Um, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to some people. I've gotten a few people. Like I said, I think that it's it's uh, still just like perme It's it's really at a low level, a very shallow level, it just won't, Bitcoin just won't go away. It just won't, the people, even though it's a it's a bear market, I mean, the bear market, uh, if you want to call it uh, the bear market this year, bottomed out at like 30 something hundred, you know, 3,000. So like the people that are claiming Bitcoin's going to zero, like, sorry <laughs> sorry it still is a and now it's a 200 billion dollar market cap like it's there's a long way down between that and that's zero. just because
2: of tethers though you know it's not because <laughs> of michael saylor buying 400 million right right right, right it's exactly
3: that's the so it's um it's definitely like it's just not going away and people kind of just know that it's here to stay now um, the literal number, I, I don't get out that much. My, my space amount of, I live in a small town in upstate New York. So like my, the, the amount of people that I actually deal with on a day-to-day basis is, is a small number. And a uh, few of those have like really uh, said that they want to get in. Some have, um, but uh, I also, I deal with people that I've never met. And uh, you know, like I uh, do people come to me either in the DMs on Twitter or um, whatever, a friend of a friend um, on like other chat uh, chat apps, and there are people that are trickling in asking, "How do I set up a hardware wallet? What exchange should I use?" That that kind of thing. There are I'm seeing more of that now than a year ago, um, so there definitely is some some interest. And I all thought it was funny that in, in the bear market, when, you know, everything, everybody was a Bitcoin maximalist then, you know, that it's the bull market coming up when things start to get like pretty frothy, when people are, when people start talking about like their gains and uh, that kind of thing, it's there's, there's energy there, you know, it's like it or not, those two, those things do correspond the amount of altcoin frothiness and a bull and a Bitcoin bull market.
2: Yeah, you hear about like, oh, well, Bitcoin profits get recycled into altcoins because people are like diversifying their crypto portfolio. And so they're like rebalancing into altcoins. And then that causes altcoins to go parabolic. And then those profits get recycled into Bitcoin. I'm like, and and all of this is not based on any data. It's Mm -hmm. like, I want to see someone, you know, with access to exchange data uh, I don't know who that would be, um, who would be able to like see what what happens. Is it new dollars coming in that are buying altcoins? Or is it people selling Bitcoin to buy altcoins? And the new dollars come in and they, you know, 90% of them buy Bitcoin, and then like 10% of them buy whatever's hot uh, at that time. Um, but uh, there's, it, it, right now, that conversation is like very much just narrative driven, right? There's no, quantitative data because it's all proprietary it's all on these exchanges
3: right and there's just so much of these this uh, these projects are getting pretty silly i i when i tweeted out recently um and i did hashtag rosh hashanah and you know like when you do hashtag bitcoin it does the like b and whatever thing. so hashtag rosh hashanah did the at the icon apple dipped in honey i was like wait a second that means this is can this is already primed to become an ERC twenty uh, yield farming token because once you, you all you need is that you know hashtag with a, with an icon and you basically already have like two thirds of your of your project done. So like, are I'm, you making an announcement right now? <laughs> I, listen, strategy. check my Twitter. I'm making an announcement of an announcement. Okay. So uh, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. key. Stay <laughs> tuned to get in on the bottom floor. All right. So we're going from yield
2: farming to like yield davening. <laughs> right.
1: We're going to have a, well, uh, you know, a minion Sukkot. together instead of a coat will be uh, yield harvesting. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Uh-uh. it's the season that's right
3: the farming season is over it's it's harvesting season now <laughs> uh, it's silly it's fun you know it's well, a fun place to be it's even yeah. big the all of the silliness of the crypto world is still fun like you know i, I like bitcoin is a pretty serious thing but there's so much entertainment going on around it
2: yeah, for that reason alone, I'm happy that, like, yams exist and all this stuff. <laughs> right, so, um, yeah, that's the... <laughs> joke about it.
3: <laughs> yes, I uh, uh, somebody I know said, like, I, about the... No, about sushi. And uh, they were like, I was like, can you believe this sushi thing? And the guy came in, and then he took all the money and that. And he was like, I just lost $500 on, on sushi because of this. And I'm like, oh, my God. You're the ETH pleb that you had. Don't be an ETH pleb. Come on, man. Like, well, it's like uh, <laughs> g-
2: going to the Coliseum and seeing gladiators fight each other. It's like,
3: you don't want to be in there. You know? Yeah, you want to yeah, be watching. <laughs> Listen, yeah. whatever. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's your business. Uh, that's well, the guy me. like
2: tried exit scamming and then he changed his mind after he got doxed. And then people right. were like saying, oh, he's so virtuous. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's yeah, one way to look
3: at fine. it. <laughs> yeah. Let's, listen, I, I'm, I don't want to, I'm, I'm glad that my choice of money doesn't have these kind of issues. Like that's, I wouldn't, uh, you know, you choose what kind of money you want to have and uh, what kind of assets. Like choose, you want to choose a strong, firm, sturdy asset, not something wobbly like a chair.
2: Well, yeah. Cheers, office. Um, three-legged stool. Uh, uh, a lot of the elites—they own a, they own Bitcoin. Like to them, they—they they understand that part, right? That they do want to have sound money. Um, they also just want to, again, like experiment, right? And, and try yeah. out all these different things. And so, to me, it's all the same. Um, I, and that's where people are like, oh, you know. Bitcoin maximalists get proven wrong by this. I see it the opposite. The fact that everyone holds Bitcoin, that proves that Bitcoin maximalists are right. Like, not everyone holds Ethereum. Not everyone holds Sushi. Like, that's because they're doing a different thing. But everyone does hold Bitcoin. It's in everyone's... Like, if you're a crypto investor, you got to have Bitcoin in your portfolio.
3: I mean, I'm, I've seen re- the two things that are notable to me recently. Roger Beer said recently on a podcast that he's about 50-50, uh btc BT- bch and i think vitalik didn't give exact percentages but he said recently um on uh on a podcast that he's you know has he's i forget what number he said i think he said hundreds hundreds of bitcoins or something so like there's still you know yeah it's a bitcoin space with uh side projects you know with alternatives. That's why they're called altcoins, you know, but it's a Bitcoin space. And that this uh Michael Saylor said that like incredibly well. He said these these uh exchanges, I'm not gonna name any uh popular exchanges out there, not to name, name call, but he said exchanges uh emphasize too much this uh this oh we've got two hundred and thirty-seven different uh <coughs> tokens that you can uh trade back.
2: Dare you. dare you. We carefully curate the pairs we have on the platform and um you know we I I go just buy- got an
1: email from Kraken telling <laughs> me all about like a whole new slew of shit coins <laughs> that I can go buy. No, but I mean that's what I write in my book at the end, is that like for
3: the I, I, don't right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that it's. I don't think that it's. It's not good uh, if you want to be a welcoming, open uh, person that, that in that you know believes in uh, that crypto is better for people. Saying, "Oh, you know, there's a, a a digital gold, a digital money that works as money," versus there are five thousand different digital assets and. Do your own research. Figure out which one. Assume they're all good until you figure out which one is bad. I don't think that that. I think it's just much easier. And I think the exchanges would be. You know, that's why. What you know, whatever. I uh, I'm I'm I work with uh, Swan Bitcoin. And like I think even if an exchange has all that stuff, it would be smart um, uh, marketing to have like a um. You know how like car companies have like their cheap version uh, uh, line and then their like uh, luxury line. I, I don't like in- Infinity yeah. Toyota or something like yeah. that. Like there should be like the exchange has their like uh, gambler line and then there's the the Bitcoin line. That's just like you log onto the website and it's just a button that says buy Bitcoin and then that's and that's all there is. And so it's that they would get the p- the people that don't want all this complexity and are going to get turned off. From that, and they'll just go to the one page that just says buy Bitcoin. That I, I think that's giving away some some alpha here for uh, alpha for League. the exchanges.
2: Yeah, <laughs> so so I, I think the I think the market is going to make that happen in combination with some really smart entrepreneurs. Right, you mentioned Swan uh, River, where. Um, it, it, and it's really kind of a front end decision because ultimately they, they source their liquidity from these other exchanges. Right, right. Um, and, and then part of the complexity is that like, I've spoken with, um, with individuals who will tell me they read Safidine, um, uh, they, they believe in S2F, they've read plan B stuff, they're super bullish on Bitcoin. Um, and, and they'll ask me, um, well, what do you think about Polkadot, and uh you know, and 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 that the, the, they're bullish on Polkadot, and that they're buying Polkadot in addition to Bitcoin. It's like, okay, well, now I could argue with them and be like, look, <laughs> Polkadot, you know, let's let's dig into this. How, do, how are you going to run the Polkadot numbers, right? Where's your Polkadot? <laughs> <note?"> <laughs> um, but. um Ultimately, like they, they have a view and, and they're going to try to find an exchange that's going to have Polkadot listed in addition to, to Bitcoin. Um, but then in terms of from the Bitcoin community of what we recommend people go to, having a front end that is Bitcoin only just makes your life that much simpler, right? Like then you don't have to walk them through what's going on. And it also, I think that there's kind of a fundamental uh, tension in the in the ecosystem where on one hand... We know all of these assets are not equal, right? And so that's something that everyone agrees on. And you could look at different metrics. Maybe you look at transaction finality, uh, decentralization, all of this. We might disagree on which we think are better than
3: others, but we all agree that they are not equal. Um, right. So the, the argument really is that it. Where, do you draw the line between one and two, or do you draw the line between 10 and the and then the long uh, some
4: people uh,
2: are the like line. oh, bitcoin ethereum and other cryptocurrencies so and like and decred uh, Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. whatever you know
3: some <laughs> the, some the legitimate uh, yeah, yeah uh, but not xrp not that no, <laughs> not, no that's you know, not whatever. a premium
2: shitcoin that's a <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so there there's that and then exchanges when you look what they, they want to pattern off of stock exchanges, right? And stock exchanges, they, if you meet the listing requirements for the stock exchange, the stock exchange is not going to say, hey, look, Apple is the best one that you should buy. Um, and so exchanges want to pattern off of that and be neutral with regards to what gets traded. The problem there is that the macroeconomics of the asset class, are. are profoundly different right the market for monies is different than the market for equities and that's where you kind of get into issues right it would be
3: like your bank it's like your bank if you went there and they were like okay i'm gonna i want to take out money and they're like would you like to take out u.s dollars or north korean whatever they are or you know mexican pesos or what you know we've got 300 choices of you and you're like, I, I'm pretty sure I want the dollars because that's, you know. Well, the... <laughs> you say
2: dollars, Rabbi, but do you want Canadian dollars? Like, which <laughs> right. dollars? oh, yeah. Right?
3: <laughs> you go to Coinbase and there's two, there's different types of dollars there. It's compute, you know, that the Canadians really uh, should change their branding. It's not, it's really, they're deceiving The marketplace with this with the Canadian dollars you know it's like how am I supposed to uh, you might get tricked and send it to the wrong address wrong wallet you you know what Mexico should do they
2: should switch from the Mexican peso to creating the American dollar right and then (laughs) they can kind of because they're not wrong right Mexico is part of America Uh uh right they're just creating the american dollar and they just
3: tilt just tilt the logo slightly to the yeah, right in yeah, you know, a little the, bit
2: the, right. <laughs> the now, dollar, sign the dollar just... sign's going to have one bar
3: going through it instead of two
2: and so that's yeah. how you know it's an american and frankly
3: it's the it's it, it arguably it's the more real dollar you know it's the it's it's the it, it, it's the dollar vision of the from dollar spanish. the dollar yes. is a uh-huh.
2: spanish word so i All think it's, doing it's only is reclaiming fair. the original vision yeah. of the dollar <laughs> It's totally legitimate and it's not fraud and everyone protect it. And and all the foreign exchange booths should have them listed side by side uh-huh. of um what would they do? Maybe A- AD and USD. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. I know the the the, <laughs> the the uh CNBC censorship would never go for it. They'll uh their, their censorship campaign wouldn't allow it.
2: No, yeah, or, or it, it's funny because CNBC would tweet out things about Bitcoin cash. Can you imagine if they were like, the Amer- American dollar is up 50% today on CNBC? People would be like, what are you guys talking about? This <laughs> doesn't make any sense. Yeah,
3: uh, they're, they're part of yeah. this greater world of uh, the, the, the crypto uh, silliness world. Pretty much all, all the commentary and, and news on it as well.
2: You know what I got really upset about recently? The
3: Bloomberg crypto account did not tweet out about Sailor and MicroStrategy. It's, I saw that. I saw that. It's I don't cowards. I, I barely read anything what they post, but it doesn't seem that they are pro BTC at all. They, they posted like, about
2: is. Craig Wright. Like, why is Bloomberg posting about <sighs> a mentally ill person and exploiting that person?
3: It's me. <laughs> Hey, you said it. All right, I, uh, <laughs> I'm making no public comments on yeah, uh, <laughs> But I just find
2: that the journalism in this space, there's uh-huh. a lot of room for improvement and I hope that there's competition that brings about
3: improvement. Right, right. That's, uh, I, that's a set it's journalism in general. i guess this space is places this space is hey hold
2: on we are the journalists now right we are the (laughs) citizen journalists and the noted bitcoin podcast is a journalistic outlet
3: listen i if i really want to know something the main, and especially if you want to know like quickly twitter is the place anything not just bitcoin stuff like that is that's really where the value comes in if you want to know any kind of news information the the first-hand report without going to some web, some uh blog that uh that editorializes it like if you just want like an actual fact because a fact can fit in 240 characters usually uh that you'll get it from twitter so that's there it really is a lot of value i'm just giving myself excuses for how much time i spend on looking <laughs> through twitter but there's a lot of good information that you get
2: there is, yeah, and then and then sharing it and broadcasting it, I think, has value too. Of you know, be, being a node that relays transactions is important, even if
3: they're mm-hmm. not your transactions. Is that the definition? Are you a full node if you don't relay? A, 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 what, what a. If you don't retweet Bitcoiners, here? you're not a real Bitcoiner. <laughs> Drawing a line in the sand. That's no. it. That's the. You gotta
2: have at least ten retweets a day. Of of quality it i don't i don't and not big accounts right it has to be uh, accounts. you've got
3: yeah,
2: yeah, you uh, to uh, find
3: like yeah you gotta find uh yeah the bitcoin plebes yeah uh uh with their posting their cash app uh, buys of under a million sats so those they, these are really really specific requirements <laughs> so high signal to, to
2: noise ratio <laughs> everyone right, out um, everyone else is uh is out of the camp guys that's... i've been
3: sitting in this chair for too long <laughs> yeah. oh see that's why you put the uh the screen uh, behind you just so no one should see the, the giant chair that you're actually oh oh no,
1: oh, like, oh, no. no. Yes.
2: disgusting <laughs> for,
3: for
1: the uh, listeners pierre, pierre showed is, his chair he's sitting in a chair we had a look yeah. at it
2: and he's reclining he's reclining and he's saying yeah it's terrible uh, it's everyone's it's a scammer no longer a
3: scammer now everyone's no longer family friendly <laughs> I, that went it. out I'm the leaving. window uh, thanks for having me guys but that i've seen enough here i've heard enough <laughs> really appreciate it i yeah. uh i won't be back <laughs> <That's Okay. laughs> Oh, I thought this was like a
1: confessional.
3: Uh, what? Uh, yeah, Yom Kippur Rabbis, is coming Rabbis up. Do not take confessional.
1: Oh, well, Yom Kippur is coming oh. up, Pierre. You have time to atone. All right. your it. It's a per- sin. Yeah,
3: it's a good time. It's a good time. let everybody have a good and happy and sweet New Year. Happy Rosh Hashanah to to everyone who's celebrating to enjoy it. Hop on board if you want to. If you want to start a new year and give it to the old one, Rosh Hashanah is a good time. Good time to do that you just uh, uh out with okay all, i'm gonna you. butcher
2: it lashana tova you perfect
3: that okay. was perfect a good, right. it's for to a good year that's right a good all and right. sweet new year cheers right, rabbi thank, thank you for joining us thanks guys
2: can you expand on how to appropriately effectively and tactfully lead up the chain of command in a profession that's considered to be very paramilitary My line of work sometimes works against us limiting ideas and ways of doing things.
4: Yeah. And they're talking about the tradition in their line of work. Hmm. Uh, okay. So what do you do? You got a organization you're working in and you've – how do you lead up the chain of command? Well – Even in a paramilitary organization, which, you know, infers that this is a very hierarchical structure and it's chain of command driven. And how do you possibly get your boss to do what you want them to do? Mm. Well, it's actually fairly simple, fairly simple, not easy, but simple. It is it is hard to do. It does take a lot more. It does take a lot of tact, takes a lot of patience. So, number one, you got to build trust. You got to build trust with your the people that are above you in the chain of command. You got to build a relationship. You got to be proactive. You got to stay ahead. You know, when I joined the military, I you know one day I just told my dad, hey, by the way, I joined the, I enlisted in the navy. I'll be I'll be gone in three weeks or whatever. My dad just looked at me and shook his head, and he says, "You're gonna hate the military because you hate authority. You don't listen to anybody." And I was kind of a young, stupid kid. And I'm like, whatever, I'm going in the SEAL teams. It's a team. We don't have to listen to anybody. Of course, I was completely wrong. And you do listen to people and you do have a chain of command. But he was right in the fact that I didn't like to listen to people and I didn't like authority. So how did I get ahead of that? It was pretty easy. What I did to get ahead of that was I got ahead of it. Mm. And that's what you need to do here. You have to start that, start that, attitude of where you're doing what needs to be done before you get told to do it mm-hmm. so you start to appear to have more knowledge and good foresight of what's going to happen now you got to be careful that you're not showing up the boss you right. can't be flaunting in their face and i already did that you know because i'm so much better than you that's not right, the goal right. here the goal is to build confidence not to build animosity you don't want to build animosity. You want to build trust. You want to build confidence. You want to make that person start to realize how good you are.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Again, be careful not to throw it in their face. Now, the tradition piece. And, and sometimes people do cling on to the traditions.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And they use the traditions to shut down evolution. And that's bad. Because what they're really doing is they're protecting their world, they're protecting their existence, mm. and so that's a that's a big wall, that's a big hard wall to get through. Now, most people do have traditions, and traditions. What are traditions built on? Do we build traditions? Are there traditions of failure, and we're proud of that? Right. Are there traditions of losing, or proud? No, no, no. The traditions are proud traditions. Mm-hmm. They're traditions of winning. They're traditions of excellence. And in some way, traditions of excellence and traditions of winning and traditions of domination have to be tied in some way to evolving and to adapting and to getting better. Mm. Because that's how we win. That's how we dominate. So you have to find that hole in the tradition, that part of the tradition that implies that what we do in our tradition is we get better. Yeah, yeah. That's all it is. You just got to find that thing that says we get better. We win. And you take that and you carry that, that lead, that little crack in the armor of tradition.
0: Mm.
4: And you turn that into, you know, yeah, we have a proud tradition because we're the best.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And if you're going to be the best, does the best stagnate? No, the best evolves. And again, you got to be careful. You can't throw this in their face. Yeah. You got to say, hey, you know what? Our tradition is that we're the best. We right. make things happen and we get things done.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And we always do it better than everyone else. So you know what? Here's one way we could do it better. Yeah, if yeah. we did this, you got to look for those little cracks in the tradition mm-hmm. to bring forward change. Now, again, the most important this. Thing, though, is you've got to continue to build that relationship with your superiors. Mm-hmm. You're constantly trying to build that. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. No matter who I ever worked for, I had the same relationship with the crazy boss, with the knucklehead boss, with the loser, with the great guy. Had the same relationship all the time, and that was they trusted me. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter who I worked for. So you've got to build that relationship of trust. You've also got to be careful that as you're trying to be proactive and as you're trying to get things done, that you're not looking to do it for your own ego to get credit Mm -hmm. because that disturbs the people at the top. and It makes them say, oh, he's just trying to shine. He's just trying to look good. Screw him. Throw his ideas out. That's what you got to watch out for. So that's your ego. Mm -hmm. Don't make your ego fight their ego because they've got an ego too. You want to let your ego go. Build that relationship. Make the change slow. It's going to be slow, steady, and it's going to take persistence in the long war.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Don't you got to have patience? Tradition doesn't break down overnight. Tradition takes time to morph. So you got to be ready for that long war, and don't get frustrated. You're part of a winning team. You're part of a team that has a proud tradition. You just got
0: to add to that tradition, and that's going to take time. Mm-hmm.